Good morning, church. So excited you're here. I'm in Moret, and I want to personally welcome you. Today, you'll be hearing a message from Pastor Brian that I think will challenge you and encourage you. Are you guys ready to dive into God's Word? Let's do it. What's up, church family? Good morning. So excited you are here with us today. I want to jump right in and ask you a few questions. If I was to ask you, where were you, what were you doing, and what was taking place in your life on this very day of 9-11-2001, most of you watching this would be able to answer those questions very vividly and specifically. You see, that day started out as a normal day as people got up and went through their morning routines, kissed their families goodbye, went off to their workplaces, or maybe were heading off for travel. And all of a sudden, it wasn't so normal anymore. You see, on the same day, everything changed. On the same day, our world was turned upside down. On the same day, things looked drastically different. I wanna teach on that thought today on the same day. As I think about on the same day, I think about all the things that happen in the life of of a 24-hour period in our lives, how quickly things can be turned upside down, how quickly things can change. Sometimes it gets better, sometimes it's not for the better. But everything can change all on the same day. As I think about scripture, I think about Uh, multiple passages and references where things changed throughout scripture all on the same day. Again, sometimes these changes were for the better and sometimes in our eyes, not so much. I can't help but think about Adam and Eve, the very beginning of time, the first humans created, they're living in perfection and the beauty of the garden of Eden, Eden lacking nothing. They had everything that they wanted and on the same day, disobedience allowed sin to enter the world, and on the same day, they were filled with shame and guilt. I think about Abraham praying year after year for this son that was promised to him, and he finally receives the blessing of Isaac. And most scholars believe that he was a young teenager about the time that the Lord had asked Abraham to head up to the top of the mountain and make a sacrifice. And so they packed their stuff up and they began to walk up the mountain and Abraham knew exactly what this sacrifice was. That sacrifice was to take the life of his son, his promised son, the blessing that nations were gonna come from, Isaac, and lay him down and sacrifice him. But on the same day, the Lord provided another sacrifice, a ram in a bush. I think about the Israelites Year after year in captivity, in slavery to the Egyptians, they're finally being set free to go to the promised land and they're, they're heading on this journey to reach this land and all of a sudden they find themselves between a rock and a hard place as the Red Sea is in front of them that they can't cross and the Egyptian enemy is pushing in behind them. What will they do? On the same day, the Lord parted the sea and they walked across on dry land. I think about the New Testament. Paul, who was Saul at the time, he had a mission. He was on this journey on the road to Damascus. And his whole goal was to head to this place to find people who were following Jesus, bring them back and persecute them. But on the same day, he had an encounter with Jesus and everything changed. His life completely changed. His goals, his perspective, his mindset, his mission and his purpose for life on the same day was changed. Whom better to think about In the life of Jesus, Jesus went to the cross and he died. He paid a price that you and I could not pay and he went to the tomb. 
couple of days go by and the family members and, and some of his disciples, they're wondering what to do next. What are we going to do? And they approach the tomb and on the same day, he wasn't there anymore. He was alive and well and resurrected. On the same day, things change so fast. On the same day, you and I, we both know we've been through things in life where everything could change in the matter of moments, in the matter of seconds, in the matter of minutes. Everything changes on the same day. So how do you and I respond to that? How do we navigate through that? How do we get through those times? And what I want to focus on today is not necessarily how things can change for the better on the same day, but how things can go from good to bad or bad to worse on the same day. What do we do? How do we respond? How do we get through that? And I want to talk to you from Mark chapter 4 today as we dive into more detail in Scripture. And before I do, I want to kind of set this up a little bit. Uh, most I guess the first half of this message is going to be one long setup, and then the second half, I have three things for you that we're going to go through kind of quickly, but I want to help you. I want to challenge you. I hope I can encourage you through the teaching of God's Word today. How do I handle all the changes that take place on the same day? Because they happen. Storms come. Trials are there. The valleys in life are present, and I feel because God has laid this message on my heart that many of you are right here today. And I truly believe that some of you are going to find peace and freedom today through the teaching of God's word. And you're going to find encouragement and stamina and and perseverance to be able to put your boots back on and fight through this valley and storm that you're in. And I hope that you can be encouraged through this. Mark chapter 4, let me give you a little bit of context of what's actually happening prior to the story that we are going to read in Mark chapter 1, the first half of it, we see that John the Baptist is, is preparing the way for Jesus. He's announcing his coming, and then Jesus comes on the scene. The second half of chapter 1, we see the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He begins to, to live the life claiming to be fully God and fully man and proving that. Not long after, we see the invitation, the, 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 the call for the disciples to follow Jesus. And so here, we see the disciples, they're, they're following Jesus and things kind of seem to be pretty good as they, as they literally take a risk to, to leave everything behind and follow him. And over the days ahead from chapter two to chapter four that we're about to dive into, they experience some pretty incredible things. They get to experience Jesus heal a man and, and, and watch that take place they get to experience Jesus face criticism and, 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 and he's being kind of challenged by the religious leaders for healing on the Sabbath and other things. And they get to watch Jesus respond in a godly, in a, in a, in a God-honoring way. He's responding to this conflict. He's responding to these people who are pressing in on him. We get to see people become interested in Jesus. It says that a multitude began to follow, so the disciples are are watching this. Oh man, I made a sacrifice. I left everything to follow this man named Jesus, but I'm not crazy because look behind me. There are a lot of other people who are interested in this guy named Jesus, and, and they're following him, and so they're experiencing the multitudes that are taking place. They experience the teachings of Jesus. And I say all that to say this, at this point, before we read what we are about to read, things seem to be going pretty well. 
The disciples were experiencing some incredible things. And I think that if we were there and we could ask them, how's things going? They would say, this is awesome. But all of a sudden, things change. Mark chapter four, if you have your Bible, I would love for you to open it up and and look with this. We're gonna be in the uh, verses 35 through 41. If not, you can look at it on the screen or if you're uh, driving and listening to this on our podcast, obviously just listen and keep your eyes on the road. But Mark chapter four, verses 35 through 38 is the first half. We're gonna look at that. It says, on the same day, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing? You see, things had changed on the same day. Things were going well. Things were great. But all of a sudden, Jesus, he's in the boat. They're heading off to the other side. And here comes a massive storm. Now, you need to understand these guys were professional fishermen. And so this storm was, was not just a storm that, that, uh, that would have just popped up and not been a big deal. These guys had faced storms on the water plenty of times. But they were so uh, frightened by this storm, so it must have been massive, that they were scared for their life. And where was Jesus? He was on a pillow, asleep, resting, taking his time, not worried about anything. And I'm assuming by reading this and the statements that these disciples are making, that they feel as if Jesus doesn't care. They feel as if Jesus has left them all alone. And you see, when things change from good to bad on the same day, It can lead us to feel that way. God, do you even care about me? Do you even care what's going on? Do you even still want to be in my life? Because if not, if you do, then then why, why do I feel this way? Why am I going through that? Am I talking to anybody today? I know I've been there. I've been there. It's where we face this storm in life. Obviously, it's not like the disciples, this physical storm, or maybe that's been part of your life and your journey But oftentimes we go through what we would call a storm in life where where we're frightened and we're worried and we don't know what to do to the point where we're almost scared for our life. Like, am I going to get through this? I want to share a story with you about my life and my family's life. Most of you watching, especially if you live in our area or you've been following along with us for any amount of time, you know that uh, my family and I have been on quite the journey with, with adoption. Uh, about 10 years ago, we first felt that God had planted a seed in our life that, that the way that we were going to take care of orphans and follow the command in Scripture was that we were going to step into adoption and, and bring uh, a child or, or multiple children into our home. And so uh, we started out on that journey, kind of just exploring a little bit, getting a little bit of information. And then we had to put it on pause because along came Blake, uh, who is my six-year-old now. And so kind of put it off. And then a few years went by and we stepped into it again. And um, in 2020, we were supposed to travel to a country to pick up our daughter and it got shut down uh, because of because of COVID. And 
Um, we've been in this waiting period, and not long after that, after two years of waiting, and we're still waiting, uh, every night we would walk by our bedroom, and, and uh, in the room that we have set aside for, for our adopted daughter has, has been set the entire time, and we would walk by it and just see this empty room, and Kristen, my wife, and I, we both felt that, that God was just kind of pressing in on us that as you wait, I want you to know you still have an empty room. And so we began kind of seeking and praying about that, like, hey, well, what does that even mean, God? Like, what do you want us to do? And, and we felt that God was calling us to, to step into a, a, what you would call a concurrent adoption. And so we began to pray about it, and we stepped into uh, the process of another adoption, and we're about halfway through that and praying that that will, the, that will go well. And, um, and so we've just been just kind of waiting. Well, May the 31st, um, Kristen, my wife, again, got a phone call from our social worker who has been a part of our, uh, both of our adoption journeys and uh, has been basically our social worker and done all our paperwork for everything that we need. And uh, she called Kristen and she said, hey, I just got off the phone with a family, uh, a mom and a dad who have a seven-week-old little girl, and they have just gotten a confirmed diagnosis um, that she has Down syndrome, and they don't feel equipped and qualified to raise a child with special needs and are considering adoption. She said, would you guys be interested? And, and we, with just a, an immediate yes, were like, yeah, absolutely. We, we, you know, this is, this is not something that commonly happens. And we kind of felt like God is saying, hey, I'm opening a door for you. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to create this opportunity for you to bring a child into your home. And so uh, we had to create a, a domestic adoption profile and send it to our social worker who would send it to the family. And there were several other profiles that came in as they were kind of assessing families to, to gauge uh, who do we think would, would best fit to, to raise our daughter. And so um, we, did, we submitted that on, on June the 1st, the very next day. And um, three days later on a Saturday, our social worker called and said, hey, this family would like to meet with you guys. And so we set an appointment up uh, a week later and we drove up to Richmond on a Saturday morning and, and we met with this family. And this was probably um, one of the most emotional meetings that I've ever been a part of as we sit here and we listen to a mom and dad who are absolutely fit for parenting. They, they were beautiful and they're sharing their story and their fears and, and all the reasons why they don't feel they're equipped to raise this child. And obviously we had to answer questions um, to them that they had for us to kind of, um, I guess, share why we feel we could, we could raise their child. And, and so we had to spend some time doing that. But, but the second half, uh, if not more, Kristen and I really spent a lot of time just encouraging them and really trying to challenge them um, to understand that, that it may not feel like it, but they do have what it takes. They, they can raise this child. And we ended up praying together and, and, and we left and they said, you know, they would be thinking about it and would let us know something. And so uh, that following Wednesday, our social worker called and said, hey, um, they have decided to pursue adoption and have chosen your family and you need to be here tomorrow. Um, to pick her up. And so we go back to Richmond the next day and uh, we arrive and, and we're meeting with this family. And what I thought the last Saturday was the most emotional meeting I had ever been a part of, um, this one was multiplied by 10. Um, it was one of the most 
beautiful and painful experiences all at the same time. And so we, 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 we take their child and, and, um, and we pray with them and we had agreed to keep things open and have conversation with them and, and we head home. We get home late on a Thursday night and on Friday morning, my wife posted uh, in our adoption page on Facebook to, to what we call our village and she shared uh, what we could share privately um, again, there were some, some legalities where we couldn't share pictures and stuff, but basically shared what we needed um, to get started with this little seven-week-old girl because we had been preparing for uh, a three-slash-four-year-old, uh, depending on when we were going to get her. And so we didn't have anything that we needed, and the amount of blessings that we received was astronomical. Uh, within hours, we had uh, finances available to, to pay for the adoption. We had boxes and boxes of diapers and wipes that were showing up at our door. Uh, we had formula, we had clothes, we had all of these things. And just all of these little pieces were just falling in place. And there was no question that God's hand was on all of it. And so I began and my wife and my kids, we quickly fell in love with this little precious baby. She was beautiful and perfect. And we began to, to raise her and began to get adjusted to, um, to having a newborn in our house. But you see through this process, a family has a seven day, uh, I guess you could call it a grace period, but seven days to change their mind before an adoption is finalized. And on day five, our social worker called and said um, that the family had, had changed their mind and they felt that... Um, that they, they wanted to raise their child. And although what a joy to hear that, that a mom and dad felt qualified and equipped to raise their child, um, it was a blow. If I'm being transparent, it, it was painful for our family. As we had looked back and we felt like God had, had orchestrated all this and I still feel that way. And God had put all of these moving parts and pieces together. And now five days later, all of a sudden now we're, we're, we're removing a child from our home that we were two days away from adopting. And I remember feeling like, God, what are you doing? Like, what is happening? Like, like I feel like the disciples must have felt like, like literally, have you left me? Have you forsaken me? And I was to the point where I'm like, God, do you even truly know what you're doing in this situation? And obviously, I knew what he, I, 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 I know who God is. I know his character. I knew he knew what he was doing. But through the emotions of the storm, all on the same day, everything was removed. And I began to question God. I began to struggle, and I began to say, what, what is actually happening? On the same day, everything had changed, just like five days prior. On the same day, everything had changed. We entered into a, a family of six now, and then now everything had changed again. And I wonder if that's how the disciples felt. Like, oh my gosh, what is actually happening? Like everything is changing again. God, like, are you leaving me? Jesus, you've forsaken me. Jesus, do you even care about what is happening? And as I think about this passage, again, there's three things that I want to give you to kind of help you. I'm not here to just share my story and, and have pity. That's not what I'm about. I just wanted to be able to share something personal so that we can connect this, this teaching. And I know that you probably have something personal that's running through your mind that, that can connect what we are about to say. But here's what happens. On the same day when everything changes, there's three things, probably more, but I'm going to give you three because that's how I roll. Three things 
that I feel like God wants to do in our lives as this is happening. And you got a bonus because I'm going to give you the first two all together. You ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. On the same day, our faith is stretched. When things go from good to bad, when we go through a storm, when we go through a valley, when we go through these hard times, on the same day, our faith is stretched. And then the second part, point number two, on the same day, his power is evident. His power is evident. All right, let's look at the first one again. I'm not going to spend a ton of time going through these, so don't freak out that we're however many minutes in and we're just getting going. But here we go. We're going to continue in the passage, Mark chapter 4. It says, then he arose, so the storm's coming, Jesus is taking a nap, and the disciples are like, hey, we're about to die, like what's happening? He says, then he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He's saying, I'm trying to stretch your faith here. You have none right now. Like, what's actually happening? He goes on, he says, They feared exceedingly, and they said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Their faith is being stretched. They're in this moment. They're in this situation. They're in this circumstance where they have nothing else to do in their own mind, in their own control. And Jesus is allowing this to happen so that their faith can be stretched and he can begin to reveal his power. I wonder today if what you're going through is a season or a circumstance or a situation where God is saying, I want to place you in a specific place so that you have nowhere else to turn to but to me. Because when you do that, I'm going to stretch your faith. As I think about this aspect of, of the faith being stretched and the circumstance that's happening here in this boat, I think about Jesus. Like, where was Jesus? My dude was taking a nap. And Pastor Jay would say amen because he says Jesus took naps, so can I. He was taking a nap in the middle of the storm. And so he's not worried. And all of a sudden the disciples are going bonkers. They're going crazy. They're fearful for their life. And Jesus is taking a nap. How many of you, how many of you like to fly, right? Like I hate flying. My wife loves it. She's like, I don't want to drive. I would rather drive across the country and, and it take me seven days than to fly in an airplane. Like, I just don't like flying. I'm not scared of flying. I just don't enjoy it. The process, going through it all, sitting side by side with somebody most likely that you don't know, especially if you get stuck in a middle seat and nobody knows middle seat etiquette. By the way, if you're in the middle, etiquette is you get both armrests. All right? Side note. But, but as I think about flying, I've flown quite a few times. And uh, one of the things I don't like is turbulence. Not because... Um, not because I'm scared, but because I get sick. Like, I don't like riding in a car. If I could fly the plane, I'd fly everywhere. Like, just let me be the pilot. Maybe it's a control issue. I don't know. I'll pray for that. Anyways, I don't like turbulence. But what I do when turbulence starts happening as I'm on the plane, what I will do when we start going through some shaky air, I will fix my eyes on the flight attendant. When I see the flight attendant walking down the aisle with their little cart, pouring drinks, giving out pretzels and stuff, and we start going through turbulence, I will watch his or her expression. I will look at their face. I will look at their posture. I will look at their body actions, I will, you know, their motions. I, I will look and see how they are responding. And most of the time, when I look at them, they're just still pushing their little cart, handing out pretzels, not worried. And so at that moment, I say, if they ain't worried, I ain't worried. 
It's that moment when you look at them, we go through turbulence, and they look a little bit scared, and all of a sudden, you see them heading down the aisle, pushing their little cart away, and they sit in their seat, and for whatever reason, they got different seat belts than we do. We just got some little lap belt that's supposed to save our life, and they got some NASCAR harness straps, right? <laughs> like They sit in their seat, they put their little harness on, and I'm like, oh boy, this is about to be bad. Like the flight attendants. Why am I watching the flight attendants? Because they have more experience than I do. They fly all the time. If they ain't worried, I ain't worried. If they are, oh buddy, I'm getting scared now. I'm taking my AirPods out. I'm closing my book. And I'm about to start figuring out how I can get, get this thing together, right? Like, What a beautiful picture of what is happening in this boat. Jesus He's not worried. And if the disciples would have taken time to just reflect on what is my Savior, my Messiah, my Lord, what is he doing and how is he responding? I guarantee you, if they would have fixed their eyes on that, it would have created a little bit more peace in their life through the middle of the storm. Come on, somebody. God is still in control. He's still on the throne. He's not panicked. He's not worried. He's not freaking out. He might be taking a nap. I don't know, but I can tell you what, on the same day when everything changes, I can promise you God wants to stretch our faith so that we can grow, so that we can look more like him, so that we can trust him and know that he is trustworthy. He's faithful, he's steady, and he's not worried about the storm that's happening in our life. Our faith can be stretched all on the same day. Stretching doesn't really feel that good though, does it? Right? Like, well, I guess it does physically sometimes if you have tight muscles, but, but like stretching can hurt sometimes. Stretching is not necessarily fun, but James, he re reiterates our point. He, he says it best right here in John, James chapter one, verses two and four. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way on the same day when everything changes, from, from good to bad, I want you to consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, when your faith is stretched, your endurance has a chance to grow. And watch this. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I don't know about you, even though it hurts, even though it's hard, I want to be in a place to where I can be stretched in my faith so that I can be fully developed. My persever perseverance can grow, my faith can grow, and I can be complete, needing nothing because my hope and faith and peace and joy comes from the Lord. And so on the same day, you can change everything. How many of you, <laughs> y'all ready for this? This might be a slightly inappropriate. I don't know. Probably not. But how many of you remember this? All right. My 80s babies. Where are my 80s babies at? Say whoop, whoop. Here we go. How many of you remember this right here? Oh, yeah. Stretch Armstrong for y'all young folks that don't know what that is. Who remembers Stretch Armstrong? Who had a Stretch Armstrong? Like, like you would take Stretch Armstrong. Bro, we would take that thing and stretch it as far across the house as we could. And I remember like literally, I'm like, this thing is about to break. Like there's no way we can stretch this thing anymore. Don't you feel like that sometimes? Like, God, you're, you're stretching my fate so much that I really feel like I'm about to break. I, I feel like I'm about to snap and just spew everything I got all over everywhere. Like, I can't take much more 
of this. But one thing I think about when I think about Stretch Armstrong is as you stretch it, most of the time it, it would conform back to, to the way it was. But, but over time, my Stretch Armstrong, because we stretch the mess out of it all the time, over time, the arms and the legs grew a little bit longer because we had stretched it so much that it didn't go back to where it once was. It actually stayed out a little bit longer. This is what James is talking about. If I could give you the most elementary visual, when we're stretched and we grow, we don't go back to where we were. We are stretched out even further and our faith is stronger because of it. Like, come on, somebody, I hope you're hearing me. On the same day, your faith can be stretched. And when it does, guess what happens? On the same day, his power is evident. His power is evident. When you're in the middle of a storm on the same day, when everything changes, his power is evident. Let's look at the passage again. Then he arose, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. How much more power you want to see than that? But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it? They have no faith, and look out there like, what? what just happened? He says they feared exceedingly, and they're looking at him like, who is this guy that, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Hold, whoa, what just happened? This is what happens when our faith is stretched. His power is evident. The problem is we want to miss out and not see his power because we're so focused on the storm. We're so focused on the storm. But on the same day when their faith was stretched was the same day that they got to see their power, the, God, the God's power revealed. And, and, and they got to see it in action. Now granted, I wish it always happened this fast. Right? I, I wish on the same day when everything went from good to bad that my faith was stretched and God's power was revealed and all of a sudden he came and was like, hey! Be still, and the storm was over. I wish it happened that fast, and sometimes it does. But most of the time, it feels like at least, on the same day, seems to be on the same month, or the same year, or maybe even the same two years, right? Like those storms and valleys, sometimes they just seem like they're never ending. God, what do you, how much stretching do you want? I told my wife that the other day. I said, I feel like we've been in a, in a stretching season for the last three years. And I asked her, I said, are we missing something? Because I'm a proponent. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I'm a proponent that when we go through seasons, God is trying to teach us something. I know I'm right about that. <laughs> but I said, I feel like the quicker we can learn what he's trying to teach us, the quicker we can get out of the season. And so I said, God, I mean, I said, Kristen, are we missing something? Like, is God trying to teach us something that we're just not getting and we need to figure out how to get it so we can get out of this? But he stretches us. And then we get to see his power. You see, on that Wednesday, on that Tuesday, excuse me, Wednesday, I don't even remember the days anymore. When we got that phone call, they said, hey, his family doesn't want to pursue adoption anymore. Again, I was transparent. I told you it hurt. And after I kind of got myself together a little bit, I was able to experience a little bit of the joy 
that I should have been experiencing if I could have got past my emotions that we played a part as hard as it was encouraging this family to raise their child. And I remember saying, God, I wish you could have revealed that to them in another way, honestly. And now some time has passed and I'm able to look back and say, man, that hurt. But that was awesome. It was awesome. If we can sort through some of our emotions sometimes, we can see the true power. And here's what happened. God reminded me as we got the call, we set up an opportunity, a time later that night, that evening to, to take their child back to them. We had to drive back to Richmond. I began packing all of her stuff. And I remember God saying, you're about to bless a family and they're about to see me through you. And I didn't want to hear that, honestly. But you know what we got to do? We packed up all our stuff. And we went to Richmond. We handed her child, their child, back to them. It was a beautiful picture of seeing just joy and a face that was lit up by a mom. Obviously, the last two times that we met, it wasn't so joyful. And we prayed with them. And I said, hey, I need you to come out to the car and we want to put some stuff in your car. And all the blessings that God's people gave us for this child followed her. When I say boxes of diapers, when I say formula in the middle of a formula shortage that probably lasted them for about two months and is still lasting them that now, gift cards from people blessing this child and us to get things that we needed, clothes, and we packed their car. And when I say we packed it, it I mean, it was, to the, it was to the brim. Like we had to shuffle things around to make room. And I'm not, this, I'm, this isn't about me because I didn't really buy any of it. It was y'all and God's people. But I looked that father in the eye and I said, I can't say his name, but sir, I said, this is what God's church looks like. And he loves you and you can do this. You can do this. And on the same day, we left. Our faith was stretched. Not only did we get to experience God's power on that same day, so did another family. And it was absolutely beautiful. On the same day, know that God is doing something that we can't always see. Don't give up, don't quit, keep fighting. Because it's doing something. On the same day when everything changes, know that God has not. Last one and we're gonna end. On the same day, we will understand how truly temporary this is. One day, on the same day, we're gonna understand how temporary this truly is. And maybe you're like, what does that mean? One day, you and I are gonna take our last breath. And on that same day, we're gonna face Jesus face to face. 
And if you're a believer and you have a relationship with him, all the things that we've gone through, all the storms, all the valleys, all the trials, we're gonna truly understand how temporary they are. I don't even think we're gonna remember them. I don't think we're gonna think about anything because of the glory and the majesty that we're standing in front of. And we can understand that this is temporary. You say, well, what does that mean now? It means that we should always have our perspective that this is a temporary home. This is not our home if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And when you know that something is temporary, it helps you get through it. It helps you get through it. I wanna read a passage. I'm not gonna put it on your screen. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter four. It's a little bit long and, and we're ending. 2 Corinthians chapter four, beginning in verse six. He says, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. That makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed through suffering. Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. Don't miss this. This is why we never give up. Through our, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. What a perspective. Maybe that's the perspective you need to have today. This is temporary and it's not gonna last and it's doing something. Don't give up. On the same day, our faith is being stretched. On the same day, God's power is evident. And then one day, on the same day, we'll understand how temporary it truly is. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what storm you're facing, what trial you're in, what valley you're going through. But I know that God knows, God cares, and God is present. Don't give up. Fix your eyes, fix your gaze, 
Fix your focus on Him. Maybe you're watching today and you tuned in with a lot of weight and burdens on your shoulder. And on the same day, right now, you can experience the peace that only God can give. Maybe you walked in here. I guess you didn't walk since we're online, but you joined us this morning. And you got all types of things going on. You can't fix your eyes on anything but the storms that you're in. And it's got you to the point to where you're losing sleep. That's all you think about. You don't know how you're going to get out. But on the same day, today, right now, you can fix your eyes on Jesus and experience the overwhelming peace, joy, and freedom that he gives. Maybe you're watching today. You understand that you turned on by accident or maybe you're with a friend or whatever it is. And you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. On the same day right now, you can confess right before your Father, between you and Him, as the Holy Spirit is stirring and working in your life, that you're in, you are a sinner in desperate need of a Savior, and Jesus Christ paid that price for you. And from this day forward, you want to live your life for Him on this day. Everything can change. Church, I love you so much. Keep fighting. And know that on the same day, when things change from good to bad, there's going to come a day where on the same day things will go from bad to good and if we keep that temporary perspective nothing is bad compared to the eternal life that we have in Jesus Christ can I pray for you Father we love you thank you so much for this day thank you for this opportunity on the same day we ask right now that you would meet with us here in this moment Give us a fresh touch of who you are. Every person who's watching this has something going on in their life. I don't know the details, but you do. And I'm asking you right now, as we intercess on, on behalf of everybody who's watching this, listening, that you would meet them right now, right where they are, that you would provide what they need and you would allow them to know that you are their provider, protector, and their father, who is so good, that you haven't left them, that you haven't forsaken them. God, I, I feel like right now there's somebody who's watching this who feels literally like the disciples did. They were scared for their life. And I feel like somebody's watching this right now who is scared for their life, not because of what's happening, but because of what they're thinking and the actions that they want to step into. God, you, you would intervene right now and that you would remind that individual that they have purpose, they have value, they have worth and this storm is not the end. They have victory in you. Overwhelm them with your presence right now in this moment. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you so much for who you are. Help us to fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Church, I love you. Can't wait to see you soon. We'd love to see you in person if you're not able to come or don't come on a regular basis. I know that God is moving in a mighty way and we can't wait to see what he's gonna do in the seven cities and beyond. I'm always a phone call away, email away, contact away. 
you ever need anything. Hope you have a great day. I'll see you soon.